My name is Pat Humphrey. Uh, my wife, Sean, and I and our daughter, Sam, are members of, the, of Freedom Church. And uh, I used to do this a lot, but uh, it's different when you do it a few times a year. It's, it's like you get ring rust. Some of it you feel a little bit like the, the, like the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. You need a little bit of oil to grease up the joints because you get a little rusty. And so it's, uh, the preparation process is, gets a little more arduous the longer you are away from the holy desk, as they call it. Amen. I'm going to dive right in this morning. Um, I believe God has a message for us to be blessed. Amen. We're to live as a blessed life. Pastor Colleen gave us a lot of truths about being blessed, blessed in our obedience, blessed in our giving, blessed in the love we share, blessed in, in, in our health, blessed in our finances, blessed that all that we put our hands to. Amen. And I want to talk this morning a little about being, about being a blessed hearer. A blessed hearer, because the blessed hearer becomes the blessed doer. Amen? So let's dive in this morning. If you have your Bible, that's great. If not, I believe we have it up on the projector. Uh, We're going to read from the book of James in chapter 1. And starting in verse 19, James says, So then, my dear brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. That's an interesting word. Implanted. Hmm. Gives it a different perspective. Which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetter or forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Amen? He will be blessed in what he does. I love the imagery of a man who looks in the mirror. The first time of the day you look in the mirror, you probably don't look your best, do you? Right? You might have a little bit of night in your eyes. You might have a little bit of night left on your, in your beard, right? So can you imagine looking at yourself that way in the morning and then running off to work? right? He's talking about a man that would be almost as forgetful as to put yourself together. If you look at what kind of a man you are and you're a mess, put yourself together before you go out the door. Amen? So how can we take note and enjoy the blessings of God in our lives? Is it possible to be a person to go to church every week and still not enjoy God's blessings? According to James, it is, isn't it? See, the thing we have to understand when we're reading Scripture, we're not, the, the writer or, or the, the orator isn't always talking about the people outside in the fringe. He's talking about his people, their people, our people. Amen? We can expect things from the world, right? We see it every day. The world is, is what the world is. It's a mess. Whether it's here in our own country, we've got things that need to be fixed. 
or it's other places around the world where disasters are just taking tolls of lives. That needs to be fixed. Amen? So what do we do to, 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 to fully realize and enjoy the blessings of God in our lives? This morning I want to address those questions as they relate to our attitude towards the Word of God. Yesterday I was thinking as I was preparing and I was talking to my wife about that very question about how the Word, our, our, how, how our lives and how we relate to God's Word, how it, uh, how it relates to our attitudes about it. And I started thinking about a lot of a lot of our Christianity at times when it comes to Scripture is we look at the things at what God, at what God did, all right? Or, you understand? Or what God does. We go back to the first chapter of the first book. We see that God did some things. God created. God created man and woman in His image. They made a big mistake. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about when you make a cake that's not edible. What do you do with it? Just kind of bundle it up and pitch it out, right? Makes you wonder, why didn't God just kind of stop what he had started and start over if he just did what he did out of just the voice of what his voice, right? So we look at what God, what God did through the course of time. And then man procreates and makes a big mess. And so then God brings the rain and opens up the wells of the earth and floods the earth and destroys everything. And then we have one family restarts everything again, Noah and his family. And then... There becomes more enemies in the land and enemies of, uh, uh, of God and people that are contrary and people that are uh, the ways of the world. And, and, and then we have God destroying peoples, people groups, cities, destruction everywhere. We look at what God does or what God did. We see in the, in the New Testament all the things Jesus did while he was here. Amen? All the what's. All the people who were healed. All the lives that were changed. All the demons that were cast out. All of the, 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 the healings, that, the miraculous healings, limbs growing, eyes working, never worked before. We see the what, and we praise Him, and, I, and I'm praising Him. I thank God for all the things that He has done and is continuing to do. But we have to start asking ourselves, if we want to grow in Christ, if we want to grow in His Word and have deeper understanding, we need to have, have conversation with Him in our hearts and, and audibly in our minds. Why? It's not just about what he did, it's why he did it, why he created, why he created Adam, why he didn't just wad it all up and throw it in the wastebasket and start over again, why he allowed sin to prevail so, so rapidly across the earth to where he had to kill every, everything to start over again. See, we don't ask enough whys, we kind of get stuck at the what's and then we kind of live there. But the problem is when things come, man, we sang songs today, I'm so grateful when, when, when things come to shake, what happens? That which is not firmly foundationed is susceptible to crumbling. It's what, kind of what James is telling us, amen? It's like, listen, you can be hearers all day long, but if you're not actually doing it. I love watching like uh, on ESPN, they have uh, these documentaries they do 30 for 30. They've been doing them for years. But they're usually profiling a specific sports story or sports figure that's so inspiring, right? I love watching them. But it doesn't, those things don't inspire me to go out and be a better athlete. 
Amen? To go out and start working out at the level that these people who do things that are pretty incredible in the sports world do, their commitment to their sport, their commitment to their craft. I don't necessarily want to feel going out there and working out that hard to be a better athlete. Amen? I love to watch the documentary. It kind of works that way in church. If we just love to hear it, we love to come and fellowship, we love to come and hang out and, and do the church thing, but we really don't apply anything that we get in here, whether it be in here or how we relate out there, then it's just watching a documentary. Amen? We are hearers only. Amen? See, hearing God's word is easy, but allowing it to change is hard. I didn't preach this message in the first service. I asked the Lord to kind of help me think of something else because it's much easier to unload a message than it is to unload it in one service and repackage it and, re- and, then, and unload it again. It's... it's it's a, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a discipline that it was much easier for me to keep control of when I was pastoring every weekend, when I was preaching every weekend. It was, it's much easier to be in the groove of things when you are in the groove. Amen? So I, I said in, in, in the first service that, that when, when the shakings come, everything that will be shaken will be shaken. Amen? Everything that's susceptible to being moved is going to be moved. And unless we have that firm foundation, not just in hearing about it, but in professing it and standing in faith to it, nothing's going to move you. The storm is always going to come, but nothing is going to move you the more firmly founded we are in Him. Amen? Amen. See, the book of Revelation describes the word or the scrolls as being sweet. Remember, it says that John saw the scrolls and he had eaten it. And it says, oh, it was so sweet to my hearing. But when it got down into my inner man, what happened? Ooh, made him upset stomach. Why? Because now he had to live it. It had to transform him. It wasn't just scrolls anymore. It was now the living word that was inside of him. Amen? See, James has given his readers some instructions. But how will they respond to that instruction? Will it make a difference in their lives? Will they receive the blessing that God's intended, or will they miss it? Amen? It's starting to determine the whys. Why, God? So how to be a blessed hearer of the word? The subject implies a possibility that we could sit under the word and not be blessed. Amen? To not experience the fullness of it. Now, I didn't really expect anybody to agree with me, but the truth is still there. We could hear it all day long. Many of us heard it before we ever believed. It didn't have, it didn't have the power to transform us. Amen? It has to be, a, it has to be a, a, an outward uh, discipline that we enact in our lives for the word to become life to us. It's just a book. It's printed billions of times in many different languages. But it's still just a book. Amen? Unless we dive into the words that are, that are on parchment and allow those to us, it's just a book. Amen? It's not meant to be sitting on the coffee table. It's meant to wear out. 
It's, it's really like a pair of shoes. You ever had that pair of shoes that you loved and you've kept for so long and they're beat up and they're about to split up the sides but you can't let go of them because they're so comfortable? Your Bible should be the same. And you know what's awesome about really nice Bibles or about a Bible that you've, that you've lived in, that you've cried over, that you've sweated over, that you've bled over? You can always go get them rebound. You can. Amen. How should I interact with the Word of God so that the result is blessings? So I want to look at four points that I believe will help us to understand that this morning. The first is, number one, hear the instruction. Hear the instructions. Proverbs 8.1, I have a few scriptures I asked to put up kind of in, 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 in sequence with each other. Uh-oh. Do I need the clicker to go up here, or do you guys put it up here? Oh, we're in training. God bless you. Thank you. The sound people are blessed of God. Amen. They had the toughest job, I swear, in the world. When things don't work, everybody's thoughts go to the people in the booth. Why isn't the words up? I can't hear them. Right? So let's read here. Uh, Proverbs 8, 1.8, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Proverbs 4.1 says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, Listen to advice and accept instructions. And in the end, you will be wise. Amen? Listening is not a skill. That is, is a skill, sorry, that most of us have to learn. Amen? We have to discipline ourselves to pay attention of what someone else is saying. If we're not careful, instead of listening, we start thinking about what we want to say. Isn't that right, dear? I am guilty of this. I'm exposing myself to all my family and friends in Christ. I am always trying to end her thoughts with my own thoughts, and in doing so, I've not listened to anything she said. And you know what's frustrating about that? You miss one little nuance, and the person who's talking is now thrown off, and, and you've derailed the conversation because you're not listening. Listening, sorry. Listening. I'm, I'm, you can pray for me on that one. Thank you. Sometimes we think we're smarty-patarty, and we need to think, and we're answering everybody's thoughts because we're so intellectually superior to, you know, the Lord. He needs our help. Amen. See, James quotes a common proverb in, in, in verse 19 of chapter 1. He introduces it by saying, so then, or take note of this, right? Make sure you're paying attention because everyone, without exception, needs this reminder. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Let every man be slow to speak, or be, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Our human tendency is to be quick to speak and slow to listen. Amen? It takes discipline to turn that around. Have you noticed that the, the common or the, the social and political environments that we all live in now is just a matter of who shouts the loudest gets the most attention? To the point of where people are acting horribly disrespectful in the public light 
They're supposed to be representatives or people of, of influence or even social uh, uh, people within the, on the, in the public sector that are, that are trying to, to, to bring ideas forth. And everybody just wants to yell over the other and no one wants to listen. It goes nowhere. And it gets more and more frustrating. Amen? See, I have a tendency to think I know where the conversation is going. That's because I'm not listening. So how am I going to benefit from the Word of God if I don't listen? If my mind is not focused on what's being said, the Word will tend to go in one ear and out the other. Amen? I've, I've, I've sat in thousands and thousands and thousands of teachings and preachings and services. And a lot of times, I don't remember most of it. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit, He's, he's the best data storage unit that it will ever be devised, ever. You want to talk about a server that never crashes. If you take it in, He will always be faithful to pull that word right back out of you when you are in a place of being obedient, when you're in a place of giving to somebody, when you're in a place of loving somebody. Man, he's like, I remember some of you younger people did not remember the cards at at the library. You wanted to find a card, you went to the index, but this big, giant, beautifully crafted wooden cabinet or drawer unit, and it had drawers, thin drawers. You pulled it out, and inside there were hundreds of cards, and you thumbed through them to find your book by, by author or whatever. She's way better than that. But I always envision it that way. If you take it in with, with, a, with if you receive that, that implanted seed, that's an interesting word, you receive that in, it's never going out. And when you put yourself in a bind or he has need of you to pull it out, all of a sudden, you may not know the address. It's not about knowing the address. There was no address when these things are written. It's the truth of God's word spews out of you like a, like a well bubbling up and out of you, a river of living water to to bring truth and life to those around you. Amen? Swift to hear is accompanied by the added instruction to be slow to speak. James is introducing a subject that he'll talk about much more in depth in in chapter 3. We're not going there, but he does talk much more about the problem of an unruly tongue. Am I, am I getting you confused with, uh, all, with all my... Okay. Um, I kind of jump around a lot. If I give a real like a address, that's, I think, my next one. So, anyway. Um, he talks about unruly tongue. It's already on his mind. But listen to what he says in, in verse 26 of chapter 1. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart... This one's religion is useless. This one's religion is useless. In other words, a person can go to church every Sunday, but if that person leaves here and starts wagging his or her tongue and gossiping and criticizing other people, it kind of negates the whole endeavor. You should have just stayed home. It would have been probably a better, more fruitful time for you, right? Right? Because you really got nothing out of your time at church other than a religious experience. Don't want those. Thank you. I don't want them. I, gotta, I have to allow the Lord to transform me. Jeff gave my family a word this morning that the levels of intimacy that, that I desire in my heart 
The Lord is going to meet me there. And that the victory is mine. Praise the Lord. I'm going to receive that because that's, you know what? I need more of the Lord. And it's nobody's fault but mine as to why I'm dry and lacking the Lord. If you're dried out and you're, you're, you're wrung out and you feel like there's nothing left, you're just a crispy, dry old leaf right before the first rain, then you need to go back to God and find out why. It's not him. It's not his fault. It's my fault. He says, your religion is useless. So we say, so we, we, we say really, what we say really matters to God, excuse me. Jesus said, the mouth is simply an overflow of what's in the heart. It's just an overflow of what's in the heart. Speaking to the Pharisees in, in Matthew chapter 12, he says in verse 24, you brood of vipers. How can you bring evil, uh, how can you bring evil, speak good things, oh Jesus, sorry. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. See, our words reflect what's going on in our heart. I could expose myself more, but I'm good. <laughs> Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. What's an unrighteous person do? just shoots from the hip. What if you have unrighteousness in your heart? What are those words going to sound like? Man, there's no thought. You're letting them fly. You're just throwing it all down range. Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Those aren't just cool little isms. Those are realities. The more you drive Whatever's wicked in your heart, down the throats of everybody around you, eventually those people won't be around you. And then what? Amen. Calamity. Meaning you, what, you had, what you had been blessed with and, 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 and incorporated life to and poured everything you had into because you couldn't get it together, you couldn't get it bridled, you couldn't get delivered of, you couldn't get this. Now you're living in calamity. Amen? See, everybody that's lived, that's lived very long at all knows the trouble of an unbridled tongue and what it can bring to your life. Amen? Remember, James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Anger has a way of affecting our speech. Amen? doesn't always have to be ugly in what it is, but if we're angry, then we can use anger and frustration to, to control. I can control the conversation then. Right? When we're angry, it's easy to say things that we wish we hadn't said. Anger has a way of provoking more anger. It does not inspire us to do the right thing. You ever gotten angry to the point and then you're justifying yourself based on your situation you're in because you're so righteous? But inside, you know, yeah, that's pretty ugly. Not fooling you, Lord. Well, you, oftentimes, we won't even say that, right? I won't even acknowledge God because I know he's in the room. Just not going to look over there. It's the Lord. He's probably looking at me. It always pushes us into the wrong direction. And if it's kept unchecked, anger is the strongest form of control. James says, 
Next in, in verse 20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You can't fr- use frustration to get your biblical perspective across. You can't beat your family or yourself with your Bible. That's just dead religion. Don't quote scriptures and use it as a weapon. <laughs> God's not. God definitely is a believer that if you have one finger pointing out, you've got three fingers pointing back. Amen? All right. In other words, don't make important choices also while you're angry. Don't make choices about your finances or your, your relationships or your spending and purchasing or even your, or, or your, uh, or your spiritual growth. Don't speak to those things when you're angry. When we're motivated by anger, we'll usually make the wrong choice. We can easily do or say something that we'll regret. Amen? Amen. So James uses this proverb to introduce the subject of listening. Everyone should be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. So our ultimate takeaway here is be a good listener. Listen to instructions. The father's instruction or the father's direction and the mother's instructions or both or vice versa. Especially instructions from the word of God. So remember first to hear instructions. Amen. That was number one. Number two, lay aside obstructions and distractions. Lay aside obstructions and distractions. Verse 21 in chapter 1 says, uh, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now wickedness was prevalent in the, in the world of James's day and it's very much prevalent in ours, isn't it? One sure way to avoid the world's wickedness is disconnecting from it as much as you possibly can. Now, I'm not saying turn off your television or unplug it. I mean, those are good things to do. Stay off your phone so much or don't read into everything or don't put, don't put things that you're connecting to that's going on in our world right now before the Lord. And I don't mean that in a, in, in a, I mean that in a way where you're, you're trying to think and fix the problem or get immersed in the problem without understanding why God, why, why one, am I so much into this? Why am I letting so much of myself be, be moved into this? Is it because it's just, it's just an addiction to a thing that's so easily accessible to the outside world? Am I taking in things I shouldn't, which is, which is just causing my heart to be distant from you? Or maybe I'm losing my ability to hear, which is an interesting perspective of the, of the uh, definition that's being used here in the Greek uh, for filthiness or, or overflow of wickedness, right? See, wickedness is something that can influence us as we live in this world if we're not careful. It can influence us. We can justify ourselves. You know, I'm not one, I, I shouldn't say that I'm not, don't believe in capital punishment. But then there's the, there's the flip side of it that people want justice, right? And so if we get sometimes too caught up in things, then we start saying, yes, yes, kill the man, kill the man. Well, man, I'm throwing rocks, aren't I? I'm, I'm loading up my pockets with stones. Even though I think I'm, it's, I'm justified, it's, it's justice. This is our justice system. But what's going on really here and why? Amen? See, we have to continually rid ourselves of offensive attitudes and behavior. James is saying to us, get rid of all filthiness. 
and the overflow of wickedness. But what is what is he what is what is what does James uh, why does James tell us this? Because if we carry these things around with us, we disqualify ourselves from being in God's presence. Does God love us? Absolutely. Does God want the best for us to live the fullest life in Him? Yes. But does God go when we're in the midst of our sin? Nope. That's against the principle of who He is. He's a just and upright God. He will not go with you in your sin. He will not be there with you. He'll be there to, to minister to you if you need to get out, but He's not going to be there while you're doing your partying or you're doing your this or your that. He's just not there. It's contrary to His nature. See, Jesus didn't speak much, didn't spend much time with religious people. And that's because they, 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 they appeared to have it all together. Jesus ate, he ministered, he slept with, I should say, stayed with or, or re- resided with the everyday unlovely sinner. He immersed himself around people that needed help, not the people that had it all together. Amen? See, there is a right way to approach God, and James puts it, puts it this way. To draw near to God, uh, James says in four, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sounds harsh, but if you think about, if you have dirty hands, that means you, you've got some sin. And if you're double-minded, it's because you're, you, you can't stand upon one truth. You're in between. You don't want to be a sinner. You want to be a saint. But you're double-minded. Right? So it's an, it's, it, 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 he, he's, he's admonishing us to do it. It sounds harsh, but he's just saying, hey, man, get right with God. Get right with God. Drawing near to God involves purifying our heart, putting some things away, coming up here and saying, Lord, I'm here and I, I sense your presence, but there's a distance. I, I, have, to, I have to bear my heart to you today. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. For saying this to my wife. For doing this at work and acting this way to a coworker. Whatever it is. Sometimes we've got to break down those barriers so we can have fellowship with him. Because he's not going to go there. He can't. We have to go to him. It says, draw near to God. If it's a heart thing, it's still a physical expression. Amen? Draw near. It's a verb. We have to, it's an action word. We're doing something, although it's not a physical doing. See, there are preparations for enjoying God's fellowship. The, in the Old Testament, the priest had to do an annual visit to the Holy of Holies. He had to give an offering. That priest had to separate himself from all the people and he had to go through a, a season of time ceremonially washing himself, ceremonially washing himself, preparing himself, girding himself, cleansing his life, cleansing his life. Those men lived a clean life, at least when God was present in the temple. And they went before him. And if they, didn't, if they were found to be filled with sin or not didn't prepare themselves appropriately, there was a rope tied around them. And they had bells on their, 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 around their waist. And if, they, if, if, the, if all the priests outside the Holy of Holies 
stopped hearing bells ring, they'd pull on the rope. And if Jehoshaphat or, or Ephraim, who was inside the t- Holy of Holies, was God found him to be a, with sin on him, in him, falls over dead. Pull out Ephraim. Sorry, Lord. See, there's a way that God wants us to approach him. It's very similar to the way we approach people in this world who are dignitaries or royalty. There's decorum. There's how we present ourselves. You don't go rolling into the Buckingham Palace to go talk to Chuck, King Chuck, right? That does, that's not a reality. You are, you are, first, you're probably very, you're very instructed on what you're going to do and not do, and there are things that you will not do in his presence, but there's things that they have full expectation that you are going to do. Why? Because that's the decorum of meeting with a person at that level of royalty or dignitary or whether it be a president or a prime minister. We'll roll in there and act like we're some big shot Yankee, right? We have to go in there with a the humility of heart. We have to go to God with a humility of heart. If you want to approach the throne of grace, do it humbly. Don't do it because Jesus paid the price and I got the e-ticket. Right? People in church all over America wonder why God's presence is not more evident in their gatherings. Maybe it's how they're presenting themselves. Maybe it's how they're appropriating themselves before they come into the presence of the throne of grace. See, this might be a good place to start answering that question. Have you washed, so to speak? Have you put away all, uh, some or all of the moral filth and evil? Has God delivered you from some things? And I would say if, if it's the answer is yes, hallelujah. Man, that's praiseworthy. But if there's still hidden things, if there's still drawers in your cabinets or closets that are in the back room that keep, you kept locked, God's not going to kick doors in. But if you want him to enter in, you've got to open up and let him in. That's a proper position to the one who can save your soul. It's a proper position to the one that is the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? Amen. God is holy, and we can't live in sin and live in God's presence at the same time. It's just contrary. It's impossible. Oil and water. It's spiritual and and worldly or fleshly. They're two things that don't work. Never will. To enjoy fellowship with God, we have to put some things out of our lives. They have to be gone. We have to put them away. 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 16, through, or verse 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy as I am holy. Amen? I love the disobedient children thing. Oh, I'm, I'm faithful. I give... 11%. You know, we, we have our righteousness. Peter's going right out of the gate and saying, don't be as disobedient children. Saying one thing to your mom and doing the opposite. Asking dad and dad says no, so then you go ask mom, that kind of thing. Don't be disobedient. Be obedient. Follow his direction. Why? Because he's trying to save our souls. Amen? I'm not talking about heaven. I'm trying to talk about the, full, full, the fullness of what he has planned for our lives can only come to pass 
if we make the necessary adjustments so that it can. Amen? He speaks destiny over every one of us. The promises of God are innumerable. And they're not just for one person, they're for all of us. There's more than enough to go around. But we have to make room for them. We kind of always think that we just, we, because the world we live in today, we just go get another storage unit. Go get another storage unit. Get a bigger one. Get a bigger one. We have so much stuff. It's just, it's, we have stuff that's so valuable, we've got to stick it in a shed across town with a lock on it, and it costs a fortune because it's so valuable. Right? See, is anybody here to live a double life? On the one hand, you want to serve God and enjoy the favors and His blessings. But on the other hand, there are sins that you just don't want to give up. So you indulge yourself and then say a quick prayer of forgiveness. But in reality, you've not turned away from sin. Because that's what repentance is. Repentance is a turning away, a redirecting. It's not an abstaining from. It's letting go of. Don't let go of the plow and look back. Don't yearn for what it tasted like before or the emotional satisfaction of whatever it was or any of those things. If you, look, let, if you let go to look back, what happens to the plow? You don't have a nice clean rose. The, plow, the, the ox is going to pull the plow in an odd direction and then you're going to mess up, mess up where you've been and now you've got to clean up another mess. Have you gotten rid of that immoral filth and evil? Then you wonder... Why doesn't God meet with me and speak to me when I pray? Why does the heavens feel like they're closed to me? Why does it feel like when I pray, I'm just talking out loud and it's just going, just bouncing off four walls? We call this false repentance. Amen? See, God wants to do something. Therefore, get rid of all immoral, uh, of moral filth, of, of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. See, here is a, a, an essential aspect of being blessed, of being a blessed hearer. We have to decisively get rid of all immoral filth and evil. Sounds a lot easier than it is, I know. I'm, I'm like you. I have to navigate through this earth. I have to deal with this life with all of its temptations and all of its frustrations and all of those things that may not be necessarily a sin, but my attitude towards it may become sinful. My anger, my frustration, my lust, my desire, right? doesn't mean we're bad people. It just means that we got some stuff. All means all. And James is referring to everything in our life that grieves the Holy Spirit. However, the context might indicate that he is particularly interested in sins like gossip and malice. The word translated, or the word translated evil, is also uh, translates as malice. So this is, is there any malice in your heart against another person? Are you angry with somebody? Have you been angry with somebody that's never been resolved? Is there things in your heart that, maybe it's somebody who's already gone on, left this life. Maybe it's a parent you're angry with. They did this, they did that, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, whatever it might be that malice is in your heart, then it's just, it's just another hurdle that you have to always stumble over to get to God. And if we ignore it, then it just becomes the proverbial elephant in the living room that we're not really dealing with at all. 
We deal with these things so that we don't obstruct our communion or our intimacy with the Lord. You know, in, in, I believe it's somewhere in, in the book of Corinthians or the books, Paul talks about taking the Lord's Supper, talks about taking the bread and the wine. He says, but before you do it, if you have ought against somebody, go deal with that. If you have ought in your heart, if you have things going on in your heart, deal with it before you take this. Why? Because there's something about this not is being an element, but whatever is going on in you, you're going to put this on top of that. You're not going to get the benefits of taking the Lord's communion and the remembrance of everything that he's done and the power that that brings, that acknowledgement brings when we have ought. Ought's like hard pan over the top of soft, nice soft dirt. We have to deal with the ought. You have to get rid of the ought, the hard pack, so that there's fallow ground underneath that can get worked and used and lifted up and oxygenated so something can grow. The word translated as moral filth was once used as a medical term to refer to earwax. Clogged hearing. Interesting, huh? The word is parasia. I didn't look it up any further than that, but it does sound like a derivative of parasite or something that is a cause of something else. Kind of gross to think. Yeah, anyway. Sorry. I thought it was pretty interesting. See, junk in our lives or between our ears does obstruct our ability to hear the Lord. Amen? So, number two, as a recap, we lay aside obstructions and distractions, and then we, number three, receive God's instruction into our heart. This is where we get into the implanted seed. Someone once said the greatest distance for truth to travel is the 18 inches between a person's mind and their heart. Amen? That's miles of travel. That's sometimes years, and sometimes it never makes it. <laughs> to think of all the thousands of, of times we've listened to someone preach the word to us and maybe gotten some things out of it, maybe not. But just to think that if we were very mindful of all that truth filling going from, and working on it, hard working on it from, from your mind to your heart and how much of your life would have transformed We receive God's word into our heart. Now that we've cleansed our hearts, now there's room for instruction. In verse 21, James describes the word that we receive as implanted. Therefore, lay aside all unfilthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. The word is to become part of who we are. Amen? It's not to come out. When we put a seed in the ground, what do we do? We make the proper depth of hole. We put the seed in. Then what do we do? We cover it. We don't dig it back up to see if it broke forth from the skin, if it broke forth from the, from the seed husk. We leave it there. We water it. By faith, we know what's going to happen. It's going to pop up. So we get God's word within us, and we don't dig it up. We, don't, we have to keep working it and watering it. And watching it begin to bring forth something in our lives and change and transform us because before it was just, a, it was just dirt. And then we opened it up and put a little bit of something life-giving in there. And we covered it and we don't let anything disturb it. But we have to keep paying attention to it. Amen? See, there's a certain kind of receptivity that is necessary if the word is to, be, to bring blessing into our lives. 
Jesus spoke the word of God to the Pharisees in his day, but that word didn't profit them because they didn't receive it for what it was. It was the truth from God. The words that Jesus said about himself and to them, they didn't believe because they were looking at the delivery man and they didn't believe that those were truths from God. They set themselves up as judges over the word that Jesus spoke rather than allowing that word to judge their lives. See, the word is meant to convict if necessary. And when we see conviction in our hearts, that's an opportunity for us to, to make room to get rid of the con- why we're convicted and make the truth of that word alive in us so it can grow something else, so it can branch out, so it begin to bear fruit. Conviction is not a bad thing. It's, made, it's, it's, it's designed for us to run to God, not to live in a convicted state. If you're a Christian and you live in a convicted state, you need prayer. You are not condemned in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You are free in Christ. Amen? We are free in Christ. And so if we're feeling condemned or convicted, let's find out why and let's just get rid of it because that's not the Lord. That's just something that's not repented of. We just need to, let's just deal with it. It's okay. Not a big deal. But let's acknowledge it. Amen? See, the people in Ezekiel's, they heard Ezekiel's preaching and they liked his style of preaching for all the wrong reasons. They came to church and they listened to him preach but they didn't necessarily receive the word as instruction for their lives. They responded to it more like a, life, like a form of an entertainment or entitlement. Look at it in Ezekiel 33. In verse 31 it says, And so they came. Now this is the Lord prophesying through the prophet to the people. I wonder how far through this prophetic word Ezekiel got before they realized, or hopefully, that, they were, that, he was, that the Lord was talking directly to them. It says, So they, came, they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not hear them. But, oh, but they, excuse me, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Instead, you are to them as a lovely song with one who has, who has a pleasant voice and can play well with an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. See, when Christianity becomes nothing more than a wholesome form of entertainment, we're in big trouble. Amen? We're in big trouble. This isn't just a safe place to go. You know, it's, it, it, I, I, I'm thankful my wife teaches... She teaches at a Christian school. A lot of people bring their kids to Christian schools because they just don't like the public system. That's their choice. But a lot of people want their kids to go there just for that reason, and it has nothing to do with Jesus. And that's troubling. That's troubling. Because the best reason that you're going to that and you're taking those kids to school is because it's Jesus. Right? Right? I mean, we're not going to allow children to fail in their growth process. I mean, we're not perfect, but we do our best with our kids. We raise them up the way we should go. The best thing you can do for them is the best education possible. But not when it's void of Jesus. Amen? Sorry, I lost my place here. 
But if we meekly and we submissively receive God's word into our heart, James says that that, that that word is able to save our souls. He's not necessarily talking about being born again. But he's saying when the word is received in the right spirit, it can work a wonderful transformation in our lives. It can deliver us from stuff. It can heal our broken hearts. It can bring wholeness and joy and hope. The clarity of thought. It can bring strength and clarity to our emotions. It can deliver us of things. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. And the final imperative imperative for us to enjoy the blessings and benefits of God's word is this. Practice what you hear. Practice what you hear. We must apply this to our daily lives. We must be doers of the word rather than hearers only. Amen? Now, I often say this when I stand up here, and I, I refer back to our days of pastoring. We, I, we, we, we would seek the Lord throughout the week, but we did not interact with our worship team or any of those people. But I always pray, God, that you would speak to us, and God's faithful to do that, and he's still faithful. He does it every time here. I, I ask him, Lord, make it happen. So a lot of the songs that we sang today, you're going to remember right now. You with me? Jesus told the story in Matthew 7 of two builders. One wisely built his house on the rock, solid foundation. And the other foolishly built his house in sand. Both houses experienced trials. The wind and the rain came, beating on both houses. And the house that was built in the sand collapsed under the pressure of the storm. But the house that was built on the rock endured the storm and is still standing. Amen? See, Matthew 7, 24, Jesus gives the interpretation of the story. He says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Amen? It did not fail. It did not fail. And that's just not by, by, by believing or saying I believe. It's, it's the, the, the building on the rock is the process of strengthening yourself in your faith. Amen? It's a constant process. It's a great analogy, but it's not like it's a one and done. You just don't build your rock on Jesus and then you're there. No, it's something that we have to work at. We have to work on. We have to continue to strengthen the foundation of who we are because who knows, is a storm going to be at the same level every time a storm comes? Is it going to be the same wind and the same rain and the same flooding? No, it could be great. It can be small. It can be minor things. It could be major things. But our foundation has to be sure. Amen? Don't just claim my house is built on the rock, Christ Jesus. The proof is in when we're stand, where we're standing after the trial. Amen? It's hearing and practicing. In other words, if I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only, it'll, it, it will be, it'll be just fine. Amen? If I'm a hearer and a doer... It'll be just fine. That's when you know you can stand and resolve and saying, there's nothing I can do at this very moment. I'm going to stand and keep hold my peace. I'm believing God is everything in his hands. I'm going to stand on the truth of what he said and promised over me in my situation before. I'm going to stand on that truth now. I can't change it, but I'm not going to let fear or unbelief grip my heart, cause me to fall into some sort of state of despair. Right? The Word says, the Word says, what did Jesus do to combat the works of darkness when he, was on his, when he broke his 40-day fast? 
He didn't argue his perspective. He didn't give his dissertation. He said, for it is written. Why? Because that word was implanted in his heart. It was implanted in his heart. It was exactly what he needed. Every time that the card drawer pulled out, the Holy Spirit pulled the card out, that's the one you need. Bam. That's the one you need. Amen? So James is contrasting uh, two, two different types of hearer. One who is foolish or forgetful hearer, and the other is a wise hearer who puts what he or she hears into practice. James illustrates his point by comparing a person who looks in the mirror or perhaps sees that he needs to wash his face or that he needs to shave or maybe even... That, 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 or even uh, or, or, but, but instead, living the life that God intended, and then they convince themselves that it's all right, and they just ignore it. Or they don't like that preaching because maybe they're convicted, and they just don't know how to put their finger on it. So then, I'm gonna, I don't like that church. I'm going to go to a different one. And the whole time, God's just trying to use the truth of what's being said. Listen, I'm, in, I, I'm fallible. I'm fallible. I'm not perfect. God is infallible. I, I'm doing the best I can. So if the preaching is making you angry, maybe you should ask the Lord, what is it about preaching in general that's causing me frustration? Is it the, is it the messenger or is it the message? Amen? See, James, James's contrast with that person, what looks like it looks into the same mirror is the word of God. He sees that word as, as the perfect law of liberty. And instead of, seeing, uh, instead of seeing obedience to God's command or bondage of oppression, he sees the obedience of God's word as an avenue of freedom. See, the obedience, Pastor Colleen talked about it when, we, when, we, she, was, when, when she took the offering or prayed or talked about the offering. It's obedience. It's what the prophet talked about. It was his obedience to get up from that broken cherub and, 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 and go fulfill his purpose and his destiny. See, freedom from bondage and sin, freedom from the bondages of, selfless, of selfishness and fear and all other kinds of things. He receives all the encouragement that the Word has to give him, and his life uh, revolves around the wisdom found in God's Word. If we're reading anything during the day for entertainment, if we're reading things, uh, ongoing things every day for, to, for knowledge... Make sure you're mixing in God's Word into that every day, the same disciplines. If you read the newspaper, however you read it every day, if you scroll through it, make sure you're taking some time to scroll through your Bibles too. Get some some disciplines in effect. Why? Because when the difficulties of life come, they come. There's times where things go on and I tell my wife, I let her know what's going on and we don't have time to talk and she'll take three minutes and seek the Lord and she'll shoot me a few scriptures. Truth. Woo. Truth. Woo. Amen? It brings resolve. It brings hope. It brings clarity. It brings peace. My goodness. Sometimes, man, things are so big, you're just, gonna, you're just getting pressed under the weight of it. And then some scriptures drop into your spirit or someone says something or prays for you and all of a sudden, whew. it's not always the devil. Sometimes we just do it to ourselves. And there is work involved. Discipline. See, will the, will the word instructed of us uh, turn us, our, our selfishness, 
turn us from selfishness and to serve others? Yes. Notice the words that James says in verse 25. It is, it is, is it not a forgotten hearer, but a doer of what? Work. Wow, that just it came out all wrong, didn't it? It says in verse 25, it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. He's working. He has to work the work. Amen? If you find some form of Christianity that doesn't involve work, you've not, you've not found the real thing. I'm sorry. If there's, no, if there's no truth in Scripture being preached, there's no weight of sin, there's no, nothing being taught in a church where you feel the weight of what God's expectations, or even just God's perfection. When, he's, when, you, when His presence is prevalent in the room, everything wrong with you, you feel it. So therefore, if we don't want to feel that way in His presence, then we need to get rid of those things that so easily beset us. That's what the Word says. These things that so easily beset us. The promise at the end of verse 25 is this. This one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he does. Not blessed in what he hears. Not blessed in pastor's message. Not blessed in the Christian radio guy. Not blessed in what I read. You're blessed in what you hear. What you hear. See, the blessing occurs in the doing. If we abort the process prior to that, we come short of the blessing. Come short of the blessing. I want a blessed life, don't you? I struggle with some things that God's called me to do or that God's even called me to let go of. This is the only life I've ever known, so if I'm having a hard time letting go of something, I have a trust issue. Amen? 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 See, there are things that my flesh wants to do that I have to say no to. There are things God tells me to do that my flesh doesn't want to do. But obedience is where the blessings reside. And it's not always experienced immediately, but it is promised by God Himself. His Word is filled with promises. They weren't just promises for the people of the coming Messiah. They were promises for you. That was a long time ago. But the Messiah still saves today. Amen? He still the, the, the blood has the same power that it did on Calvary that day. Amen? We've all received that to its fullest. Amen? We don't need to keep topping it off. We've received salvation once. He died once. We received it once. We have to hold on to it. It's precious. We have to leave that, that seed implanted in our hearts that uncorruptible seed it has to stay there but we have to work it there are blessings in this and i guarantee it if we apply them if we learn to let go of things that are holding us back then we have to let them go we have to put them aside i want everybody to feel liberty this morning that in christ there is no condemnation in christ there is conviction to change if you need prayer this morning, please come forward, talk to God. Because with that, if you've been struggling with something for a long time, maybe it's been your whole life. You probably don't have the power to let it go that easily because you haven't been able to do it yet. And that's okay. Because the Lord is more than able. 
Amen? He's more than able to forgive. He's more than able to deliver. He's more than able to restore. So, so many times, men have patterns of things that they don't do right, as well as women. But God never wants us to live condemned because of the decisions that we'd ever made in the past or the decisions that we just made this morning. He wants us to get right with him. So please, I want to say, come, come to the front if you need to. Sit where you're sit, seated. Take a minute. Spend time with him. But we want to pray for you. We want, we want you to leave here blessed. We want you to leave here that now that you have a better understanding of that incorruptible seed that's, that's, that's implanted inside of your heart. Let's start working on cultivating it. Let's allow the Lord through our time. Let's let go of ourselves and raise our hands and let the water of his goodness water the seeds in our heart. Let the truth of, uh, uh, of what he's done for us wash over our minds and let the co condemnation of past habits and sins and behaviors that so easily beset us. That's like, getting, like, like, a, like a ship that's run aground. It's still there. It's just not going anywhere. That's being thoughts just derail where we're trying to go in Christ. Destroys our relationships with our loved ones. I want you to be able to get freedom today because doing this just for the sake of doing it as a club or a popularity contest, this isn't it. This was never designed to be it. The church is an, is an institution where we run to Jesus and Jesus is there to receive us and give us freedom and wholeness. Amen? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. You're so kind and so gentle and so loving. And Lord, sometimes we have to really look in your scriptures and we can see that there, it, it's hard. It's hard for for, for, for to, to help. It's hard to live. It's hard to do everything in this life. And Lord, a lot of times, especially when we get older, we don't like being instructed harshly or firmly. But Lord, sometimes we need it. And so I thank you that there's times where your word is, man, it's really, really rough, Lord. It's, it's not smooth like a scalpel of a doctor. It's more like a hatchet chopping away things. But I ask you, God, as your grace is sufficient for us, you would remind us of that while we're going through the process. While we're being pulled through the knothole of life backwards, I thank you, Lord, that you're there to lead and guide us, to nurture us and love us. Help us, God, to see the things that are out of order in our lives. Help us to open ourselves up to you, Lord, to open up our, our, our hearts and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Help me. Change me. Deliver me. Restore me. Renew my thoughts. Help me to forgive, Lord, because I really, I want to be forgiven. I don't want to get cut short, Lord. I want to receive everything you have for me. So help me to let go of offenses, to let go of people who have hurt other people, to let go of people who have hurt me, to let go of those that I've hurt. And I justified myself in my hurting. Lord, help us to be transformed into your image and likeness every day. Help us to not get off the bus, Lord. To, to Help us to not get out of the, uh, the direction you're, you're taking us to go in life. Help us to remain. Even as Sean always said, Lord, 
Help us to stay in the press while you're pressing on our lives, God, and you're expecting good anointing to come out of it. Lord, help us to just endure the press. Help us to endure the press that something sweet would come forth for all the work that you've done in each one of us. Bless your people today as they go. But Lord, as we open our lives up to you and our hearts up to you, I thank you that you are faithful to heal. You're faithful to deliver. You're faithful to restore. You're faithful to forgive. We praise you for your forgiveness, for your ability to look past our transgressions and to come into your loving embrace. We praise you and we thank you. Bless our day ahead, God. Bless all your people. I just want, Lord, I just, I just thank you that your, the washing of your goodness is flowing over our lives right now. That the winds of change are blowing, that your people are beginning to see the direction that they need to go, that the fog has been lifted from their eyes, that they're, they're now able to get a, a, a trajectory on the course you're taking them. Father, sometimes difficulties in our lives or, 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 or speed bumps or diversions of growing in you are just a lot about us letting go and allowing you to see inside of what's going on, of what you already know about, Lord. So thank you that you're delivering us, that you're restoring us, that you're blessing us, and you're faithful to do it every time we call unto you. Bless your people as they go from here today, God. Let them be fully filled for the week ahead to be a glorious light shining in a dark place. I praise you and I thank you for each person here and even those that are online. In Jesus' name, amen.